chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Good Monday, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jackie Franchuli for Wahoo's 24 7. And today really kicks off, or I guess tips off, the busiest part of the schedule where not only do we have football going on and some big recruiting developments going on because early signing day is fast approaching. It's about just over a month away, but also women and men's basketball tip off their season Monday evening with the women tipping up at five and the men tipping off at nine. So basically this is the part of the season where I rarely see my family for the next, co- this next couple of weeks, at least until football season ends when honestly it's probably until early signing day to be fully frank but for this episode um unfortunately we weren't able to do a basketball centric episode just due to the timing of the game and then catching up recruiting visitors on sunday because virginia football had a number of good visitors on grounds including one of the best defensive linemen in the country a top 50 prospect in 2024 was on grounds for virginia's game against North Carolina. So we were catching up with them. So unfortunately, we couldn't get a basketball-focused episode going. Hopefully this week we'll be able to. Um, So for this episode, we're going to focus more on the football game, kind of recapping the game against North Carolina. And then we're going to talk a little bit about football recruiting. And my hope is we'll have the game preview on Wednesday evening, and then I'll be able to do a basketball-focused one on Friday. So that is my hope moving forward this week. Um, Again, it's been a little bit hectic with Virginia football having two big home games. So that means they were able to host plenty of visitors. And actually, they're going to have another group of visitors coming on this Saturday as well. Tony Elliott and his staff have done a good job of taking advantage of three big ACC games in a row. But as you can imagine, that's a lot of kids to catch up with. Um, So let's first start with the actual game. Because that's, you know, this was probably the best football we've seen Virginia play around, like for from the offense to the defense and even special teams, although special teams still had a few problems. Technically, special teams did not cost them the game, as we saw a couple other games in pre in the previous parts of the season. So let's start with. What happened? So I'm going to bring up the stats here again. If you're a Wahoo's 24/7 subscriber, this is available for you to see on our site. And if you're on YouTube, you get to see the box score right in front of you as I speak. So Virginia lost 31 to 28 in the game where Virginia played again. Honestly, that first half was the best half of football we've seen from Virginia this season. It was the first time this year where they scored on the opening drive and. You know, when you come into the game and you didn't have three of your starting receivers with um, Dontavian Wicks, Lavelle Davis, and Keaton Thompson out, and we heard a couple of the old linemen were banged up, including John Paul Flores, who who at the end did not play, then you thought, oh, no, this 
can't be good for a team who wasn't being able to find the end zone. But this Virginia offense did well. They executed probably their best game. And kudos to Des Kitchings and this offensive staff. I thought their game plan against North Carolina was really good. They just came off a game facing off a Miami defensive line. It's probably one of the most talented defensive line line they faced, apart from that game against Illinois. And they hang in there against Miami. And it kind of used the same plan, especially up front and way the way you use Brendan Armstrong against a defensive line in North Carolina that was hindered by injuries themselves. I think it was three starting D linemen were out for the game. And they were able to they were able to execute well. I did like their plan. I like that they used second wood. I think, you know, when you look at this offense that Des Kitchings and Tony Ellie wants to bring, tight end is probably going to be one of those positions that you would see more and more of. Um, so that's why you can see them, you know, being hyper aware of that when it comes to recruiting. They've, they've been offering a little more tight end possibilities, evaluating them on the trail. And again, we have a couple of those listed on Wahoo's 24-7. So I thought the way they really worked the offensive game plan really well. So let's just dive into some of these stats for this game. So what I so Virginia was able to get 418 yards of total offense. And unlike previous games where we saw low scoring games, they're able to get 28 points. Um, 232 passing yards to 186 rushing yards. I think Brendan Armstrong, honestly, I know he had that one pick that he would like to take back. That was honestly a, a bad throw. Luke Wentz kind of tipped it to uh, the UNC defender. But at the same time, I think that was just honestly a, a throw that even B.A. would say was not a great throw by him. But B.A. had a really good game. I liked how he knew exactly when to pull it and take off. It, he had a little bit more confidence in that game where he saw the green and able to run in. He was actually able to sustain a few drives by doing that and getting some key first downs, especially in that first half. He was able to keep those drives going because of his decision-making there. His throws had a little more touch in it. When you look at previous games, although sometimes the wide receivers did have the ball in front of them, sometimes it was kind of like a missile coming at them. It was really, really uh, harsh and quick. So sometimes, you know, that that could also be uh, contributed to some of the drops, but it felt like he had more touch in the game against North Carolina. So he went 17 of 35 for 232 yards. Um, but he also had a good game on the ground, like I just touched upon. He averaged 5.3 yards per carry, and he had two touchdowns. So including one that was a big boy play where he basically bulldozed his way into the end zone um, in that fourth quarter. And honestly, that that drive in its entirety where you saw Billy Camp come back in after he kind of hobbled off, made a big play, and then B.A. score like that in the fourth quarter when they're down by two scores to bring it back within three. That shows a fight in this offense that we, we've seen sprinkles the last few games, but I feel like this is the first game in, in, in its entirety that this team showed that they can deal with adversity. Um, and kudos, because that's a, that's a lot of young players that was on that field, or players that didn't feature much throughout the year. You had Sean Wilson, who picked up his first career receptions in the game. You had Sackett Wood, who had the most career catches in that game. You had Demique Starling, who had a lot of contribution. You had Ethan Davis also contributing in the passing game. And then in the run game, you had Ronnie Walker seeing his return for more carries. You saw true freshman Xavier Brown in the game. You saw true freshman Carson Gay in the game. 
So you saw a lot of new faces, a lot of young faces, and they came in and executed, which is what you want to see. So it was good for them. Um, I know the first question I'm going to be getting is, does that mean that this offense runs better without Dontavian Wicks, Keaton Thompson, Lavelle Davis? And yes and no, because honestly, if you look at any sport or pro sports or have a team that you've covered, you always have one game where your star player is not in the game and they play better. Well, that's because your whole team understands that you need to play better. So you need to execute better because you're not going to be bailed out by a star player. Now, have those athletes not had the best season? Well, I can argue that Keaton Thompson has been pretty steady. Has he had a couple of drops? Sure, but he also plays probably the most snaps on the team on offense. And and then Tavon Wicks and Will Davis are also on that same kind of channel where they both all of them are playing considerable snaps. So now that you see these other younger wide receivers come up. One, that will push those guys up, but also that will allow those guys not to have so many reps. Now, the one thing I did like about the game plan is that because those guys weren't on the field, I feel like Des Kitchings wasn't, I don't want to say he's, he had a leash um, in previous games, but it allowed him to call the game differently. He didn't have the pressure to get the ball to Alden Tavian Wicks or Lavelle Davis or Keaton Thompson. And I'm not saying those guys would push for more playing time. It's just a natural inclination to want to get the ball to some of the best playmakers. Dontavian Wicks, obviously, we've seen the what he can do on the field through, you know, when we see the individual efforts that he can do, Virginia can do really well in offense. But at the same time, he's not had a consistent season. He's doing better now. So if you're Des Kitchings, you want to get the ball th- to him. And you've seen him, especially early on in the game, trying to get confidence in the offense by throwing it to Wick, throwing it to Lavelle Davis, getting about to Keaton Thompson, which honestly, he, the, the guy will work you hard to try to get you the extra yards. So I get it. But in a game where he's not trying to throw those balls, he's just trying to, it's a different, you call it differently. So I think Des Kitchings had his playbook open a little more. And I really liked what I saw from his game plan. I think um having BA in play action having a lot of motion um moving BA around and and I thought that was a good game plan going in and kudos to the offensive line again I mentioned it in the top of the show the O-line was banged up um even those that are playing are not fully healthy so you had um the O-line pretty much stick to the same so you you had Noah Josie in there John Paul Flores again was still dealing with an injury and they probably had their best run blocking per- performance of the year. You had Jonathan Leach, Logan Taylor, and Noah Josie on, according to Pro Football Focus, they were the three out of six top offensive grade offensive players graded out for Pro Football Focus. The O line did a better job. Their run blocking was better, which we saw by how they ran the ball. They ran 186 yards, average 4.8 yards per carry, and. We saw that their pass protection was also better. B.A. was only sacked once in this game, and they, he had more time to throw. Plays were able to develop. So that was also good to see. Yes, it was a loss. Again, it's hard to kind of go positive on here just because it was a loss, but at the end, they faced the number 17 team in the country and made it into a game. And we're going to talk defense here in just a second. And honestly, there are a couple of things that could have gone either way during the game. And one of those things was the Jonas Anchor pass interference call. Now, if you remember, 
That happened in the second quarter. UNC had yet to score a touchdown. That was second and, hold on a second, second and 24. That's when Yuna Sanker was called for a pass interference call. That wasn't a pass interference call. That allowed UNC to extend the play. They eventually would score their first touchdown. That's the first touchdown that the defense allowed in nine quarters. That kind of, I want to say, changed the dynamic of the game, but that was towards the end of the second quarter. UVA scored another time. But when you're facing third and 24, you start thinking the hypothetical, well, then UNC wasn't in field goal range. They wouldn't be able to score a field goal. Then UVA would have been able to score the touchdown, which they did in the next play, the next drive. And then, yes, UNC got the ball, but UNC got the ball at the half, after the half and then got into a lead, and it became sort of like a shootout. Um, which UVA couldn't keep pace with. Uh, they and uh, unfortunately they had a um, a punt which wasn't called. So Demi Starling came out with it rather than calling for it. And then you had also a false start, and you had a holding penalty. Which to be fair, UNC didn't get called for any holdings when they should have. But you had those situations where the pinned them back further so they were behind the chain so they weren't able to move the ball as effectively in that second half so that second quarter call in a three-point game kind of stands out a bit again it's all hypotheticals you don't know what happens you're just thinking well if they would have been two scores down at that point so they wouldn't have got the lead at the half and it was more there wouldn't be as a shootout scenario than it was in that second half so, again, I, there was a lot of good things on that offense that we saw. Yes, there were some things that you would – maybe a third call here and there um, when you felt like they should have ran the ball rather than focusing on passing the ball. There's a couple of drives, especially in that third quarter. But at the end of the day, this was overall a better offensive performance by Virginia and better overall football performance on defense. And I know I'm brushing uh, – I'm going pretty quickly on here – but I do want to touch on recruiting in the second half of the episode because I think this is when it comes to crunch time for recruiting. And the last three weeks, is, it's a pretty big for Virginia recruiting. So I kind of wanted to touch on that in this episode too. So on defense, James Jackson, he led the way for 11 tackles. I think he had his best game for Virginia because of what he was dealing with. Um, I know a lot of people will see that 31 points and they will see the success that Josh Downs and Drake may had, but there, those are two potential first rounders right there. It's, it's gonna, it's when you face a level of talent like that, where you have those two on such a great wavelength where you can see the little in- intricacies that they do to each other, like a touch of a helmet or just, they just read the defense well, and they were able to have this chemistry with each other where they were able to act on some of the things they saw on the field. But um, again, James Jackson uh, led the way with 11 tackles. He had one sack. Nick Jackson was at nine with one sack. Um, Cohen King also had a pretty decent game with nine tackles, seven solo. Uh, He had one quarterback hurry. Um, Chico Bennett had one tackle. Um, I think uh, Drake May did a really good job of reading defense. I think that was the one thing that really stands out. Um, He had really good pocket awareness and pocket mobility. And it was just, uh, it it was, when you're looking at him, you you forget that he was a redshirt freshman. So uh, he was very impressive out there. And although, again, you're seeing that they allowed uh, 455 
total yards on 162 yards rushing and 293 passing. You have to consider that this North Carolina offense averages 41.8 points a game, so just shy of 42 points. UVA held them to under that. On, on the ground, they average 167, so it's about, about what they got is 162. But in the air, they averaged 334, and they were able to get 293. So everything is under their, team, their, their season average. So the defense did enough to win this game. And the offense, honestly, did enough to win this game apart from two drives. And the other part where I think is the part where, I, where we want to see more improvement is also game management. So when you look at this game, the thing that honestly stands out to me more than anything is the special teams mishaps. Special teams did not lose the game. I want to say that, especially now lose the game. But the timeouts before the two punts, that one is, it wouldn't say lost you the game, but you had no timeouts at the end of the game. Those two situations are what you expect a first-year head coach to learn from. You're not, you don't want to call timeouts before a punt. Just take the five yards. At that point, just take the five yards. You want to hold on to those timeouts. So that is the, the couple of things that you want to see improvement in the next game. Also, taking a timeout before that fourth and short where they went for it. I mean, they were going to go for the quarterback sneak. They, they got it. They got that first down. I think those things, uh, making sure people are lined up correctly, special teams has been a problem. Timeouts before punts and before field goals and before kickoff returns have been something that this team has struggled with. So special teams is something that needs to improve on moving forward because although directly it didn't affect this game, you can argue that they had to take that onside kick and they, they had to rush a few things because they weren't able to have a timeout in their pocket. So that that is something that you're like, okay, you need to clean that up in the next game. But again, I wrote this in my five takeaways. I thought it was actually a pretty positive five takeaways, despite the loss. I think this is a type of season where you 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 kind of have to look towards long term, and there's a lot of mark. There was a lot of good improvements considering you didn't have the starters there. You saw Sackett Wood, who I thought, you know, although he he still struggles in some of his blocking uh, responsibilities. He had sure hands against UNC. He ended up getting 94 yards in the air, averaging 15.7 yards per catch. And then you saw Sean Wilson, who, you know, I've I've said on our board, I thought that he was probably one of the most underrated players in the class last year because he was hurt. So he didn't have an opportunity to raise his rankings. So he had 61 yards on five catches, averaging 12.2 yards per carry. And so he um he didn't he he had a good game. And I think he's going to be a, a good wide receiver for the future for Virginia. He's already made his impact on getting some reps right now. So and that's not considering that Virginia also has a couple young guys like Dakota Tweedy also available to them. He's hurt. So he can't contribute this year, but that's another name to watch out for in the future. So the wide receiver room does have a lot of talent moving up. So that was good to see as well. I think the most disappointing thing on offense, though, was that Sackett Wood couldn't say that he got his first career touchdown. I do not know how they overturned that. Uh, I understand, like, when you looked at it, you can probably argue that maybe he didn't cross the line and get into the touchdown. But 
you always think that it's it's hard to overturn a play. So I didn't see enough on the replays to overturn it, but then it did. It was, um, and to quote Sackett Wood, he's like, I didn't even know they had enough to overturn it um, when he spoke to us after the game. So that was definitely, uh, I think, the most disappointing part on the offense. But again, I thought the offense had its best game. It'll be interesting to see what happens this week. Um, Tony Elliott said that the injuries to KT, Wicks, and Davis weren't believed to be long-term. Wicks was the one where they had more of a question mark because it was to do with a bone bruise, and that could take a little longer. Um, KT, they were a little more cautious, so they didn't want to uh, overstrain him. So that's the one that's – I probably expect KT to be the one that returns first. So that will be an interesting one to keep an eye on as the Pittsburgh heads into town on Saturday. So that is uh, basically the quick hash of the game. Um, Again, defense, although they they probably will tell you that they need to do a better job, I would say they did a good job against two first-rounders. Josh Downs is a really hard guy to defend, especially the way they use him in the slot and put him in motion. I thought Josh Downs is uh he's he's definitely a handful to do that. And then Drake May had a good game as well. So again, sometimes it is about what the other team did rather than what you did wrong. And I think that's mostly the case here for the Virginia defense. And then again, the Virginia offense did a better job. And on special teams, don't waste timeouts. That is a big takeaway on special teams. Oh, and Daniel Sparks is a good tackler of the ball. I'm a, I'm a Daniel Sparks fan. So there you go. But yeah, after the break. We are going to move on to recruiting because that is the bloodline for the program. So what's happening as far as Virginia recruiting? Who was on grounds this weekend and why is it such a big deal? Hi, and welcome back to the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jack Franchuli for Wahoo's 24-7. So now we're going to move forward to talk about recruiting because, like I said, that is the bloodline for this program. You need to see what's happening on the recruiting front to see what the long-term possibilities are for our program. Now, Virginia did pick up some big news over the weekend because safety Caleb Hardy, a safety out of the out of Georgia, committed to the Cavaliers on Sunday. He visited the program one week earlier for the game against Miami. That's when he picked up the offer. And then a few days later, he made the call to the coaching staff during the week to commit, and he made it official on Sunday. So they picked up another safety. Um, that makes perfect sense considering they need three safeties out there and also because they didn't get any safeties last year in that class. So that's that's why they've been kind of offering a couple more guys in the safety range, and that's why they've also tried to see a couple of safeties and evaluating them in the transfer portal as well. So that's very big news for the Cavaliers to pick up another commitment. Um, over this weekend, they had a couple big visitors. Uh, if you if you saw Anthony Calandrea, quarterback out of Florida, who's committed to Virginia, he was on his official visit. But also, they also hosted several 2023 guys with offers, including Jaden Gibson, that record-breaking wide receiver out of Georgia, but also Titus Ivy, a wide receiver out of North Carolina, who picked up his first Power 5 offer from Virginia. He was a basketball player that started playing football. And he's a pretty impressive athlete. He was also on ground. What I thought was interesting is that Cameron Robinson, a newly minted four-star and Virginia commit, was on grounds too. And on the sidelines, that man was recruiting. He was with not only most of the recruits on the sidelines, he made the effort to go to Jaden Gibson and Titus Ivey and made those two guys a priority 
for him to talk to. When I was there on the sideline looking in, they uh, looking at what was going on in the field, when you turned around, you saw them switching numbers. He is he is a big get for Virginia. I think Cameron Robinson's not talked about as much. Um, he's definitely a talented linebacker, and he's going to be, a, a I think, one of those players that could have a big impact early for the Cavaliers. But I think what you're missing is his personality. He's kind of quiet, but he also is methodical and he's going to go, he's going to recruit for you. So Cameron was recruiting for Virginia and he's been to almost every single home game this year. I think he's only missed one. I think he only missed one or two. So he's been to the home games. He's been able to recruit for Virginia and he was actively recruiting two wide receiver targets that they want, including Jaden Gibson. Um, who had a good visit. We haven't had a chance to talk to him extensively about his visit. We are set to talk to him today. So if you are a Wahoo's 24-7 subscriber, I'll be able to have a recruit reaction from him at some point in the next day or two. So that is the 2023 visitors from this week. Um, well, actually, they also had Union defensive end Gabe Sneed on grounds as well. He doesn't have an offer yet, but Virginia is evaluating it evaluating him and I expect an offer at some point. So that's one to watch as far as um, defensive end recruiting. So Gabe Sneed from Union, Virginia. What I liked was who was in there for 2024. One, UVA legacy, Zaire Rayner. He picked up an offer and we talked to him straight after picking up an offer on Saturday. And I posted that story yesterday on Wahoo's 24 seven. And to say that he was excited would be an understatement. Very excited about picking up an offer that he'd said was his dream since he was a little child because he, he remembered talking to his Uncle Point Dexter and, you know, Uncle Thomas Jones and all those guys that he grew up knowing and watching through with his dad. So he definitely um, was excited to pick up the offer. He's going to release his top schools on November 11th. Virginia will be on it, safe to say. So that is definitely uh, one to watch. He's not going to, he said he doesn't want to make a decision anytime soon. It's probably likely going to be in the spring. So it's going to be some visits are going to happen in the spring. Most, I would assume Virginia will get a visit in the spring as well. So Zaire Rayner finally gets the offer. I think that's probably the biggest question I get is when Zaire Rayner would get an offer. And he did. He got one on his visit over the weekend. And then they had top 24-7, four-star defensive lineman, Heaven Brown Schuler, also on grounds. That was a big, big visitor to have. Like I said, he's a top 50 prospect. He's the second defensive lineman in the 24-7 rankings. And he knew Chris Slade from his time at Pace Academy. Chris Slade was his former head coach. He visited during junior day in January. He's back on grounds now. That shows that they can get these type of recruits on grounds. And it's not just about getting those four stars on grounds. This is a recruit, if you speak to him, he is the type of recruit UVA should go after. And he's been very impressed with what Virginia has done. He's obviously very familiar with Chris Slade and his defensive coaching, but he's been seeing the development that he's seen. That's something actually Zaire Rayner also mentioned. Because these, these guys watch football, they saw what the defense was able to do from last year to this year. So if you're a defensive recruit, you're already seeing the development that's happening on the field, and that's what's resonating with them. Now, on the offensive side, they still are waiting. There's still questions there. But the game against North Carolina does help a bit because you're seeing those young guys there and seeing their development. So having Sean Wilson out there against North Carolina does help answer some of those questions. They also had another legacy in town, DJ Tolliver, an offensive lineman out of Lord Botetart. I think he also 
is one that to keep an eye on. I think Virginia Tech has done well early with him, but getting him on grounds is certainly is good. They had a couple of kids from Verina, a couple of kids from Hopewell, including Kashawn Henderson, who saw his big brother, Ronnie Walker, run um, and take a few carries. So they're doing a good job of getting some of those young guys in. I specifically like them getting 2026 offensive lineman Bear McWhorter. I think he's one to watch. He's going to be a very good offensive lineman in 2026. He camped at Virginia over the summer, so I got to see him face-to-face, and he's really good for such a young guy. He's going to blow up when he gets older. So, again, they're they're doing a good job getting those young guys. That's something that early on we didn't see much, but now that you're having good games like Miami, North Carolina, and now Pitt, you're going to see some of these names come in, and one of the names coming in this weekend is going to be Highland Springs quarterback Christian Martin. He was meant to come for the Miami game due to a issue with practice scheduling because they had a short week because the Verina game was going to be midweek. They had to move that visit to this upcoming weekend. And we're going to have that visitor list and who's expected to come this weekend later on this week for while it was 24-7. So in short, there was a good group of visitors. And I know a lot of people compare visitor lists to other schools. And Virginia's philosophy is not to get numbers, but to get the guys that they want on grounds. And although sometimes I like a lot of Wahoo's 24 seven will ask, well, why there's more kids on the sideline than I write. Sometimes I only post the, sometimes you have uh, teams that come in a whole team. So I only post the, the kids that there are recruiting. So Virginia is actively trying to recruit select people. And if you notice, Virginia doesn't give a lot of offers. Um, that's the philosophy that they're, that they're using is that they could give you an offer. If Tony Ali offers you, you have a committable offer. So that is the philosophy that they're going with right now. So again, Virginia did a good job the last two weeks to bring in some good visitors. And we have some reactions and full stories on them, including from Brown Schuler. He talked about his visit after the game on, on, and I posted it on Sunday. So recruiting is picking up. It's now going to see what happens down the line for 2024. I know there's still a couple of spots in 2023, so they want to cement those for early signing day. But to really see how the staff is doing recruiting, we're going to have to see what how 2024 kind of shapes up. Right now, they've had them on grounds. Now they need to seal the deal. They have not had a 2024 commit yet. It's not a need to panic, but it will be uh, that's going to be the true test and to see where this uh, coaching staff is. But they are getting guys on grounds. And guy like Kashawn Henderson has been on grounds twice this season already. So that is good to see. Um, and DJ Tolliver as well. This is That was his second visit. He was also at UVA for the opener. So that's also good news for Tony Elliott. So that's it for this episode. Again, we are going to have a game preview for the Pittsburgh uh, game podcast probably on Wednesday night or at least late Wednesday to early Thursday. I'm trying to get a basketball podcast up on Friday as well. And then hopefully that will be sort of the schedule moving forward with basketball season kind of uh, picking up here now as well. So thanks again for listening. Um, And again, if you like what you're hearing, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcasts and also to our YouTube channel. So with that, hope you guys have a good rest of your week.